Well, since you all have been there most, I think most of the times, we won't need to review very much, but we have been talking up until this point primarily about the role that you can play in your local church, organizing an outreach team, working together to uh, create basically a support team to do a lot, to live out a lifestyle of evangelism in the local church. So the first four presentations were primarily geared towards your work in Quebec, your work wherever you're from, Loma Linda, developing a a team to do that work, a a support network, and creating the cycle of evangelism of sowing, reaping, and then retaining. Now today, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk about the possibilities and, and the benefits of, of stepping out of your home church, stepping out of your home country, and going to be part of the worldwide movement that we know is part of the Three Angels message and preaching the gospel internationally. And, uh, and how do we do that? How do we prepare for that? If you just came in, make sure you pick up a, a, a handout right as you walk in. And, uh, and how do we do that? How, what steps do we go through? How do we prepare for that? Uh, uh, how much does it cost? Uh, Etc. We're going to talk about all those things in quite detail here so that you feel more equipped or at least try to answer some of the questions that might go along with the question of what? Me preach in Antananarivo and Ulaanbaatar? By the way, where is Antananarivo? That is the capital city of Madagascar. And Ulaanbaatar is the capital city of Mongolia. And yes, Sherim goes to both of those places. This year we'll be going to both of those places. So... Uh, I'd use those not just to make them up, but we actually go there. Let me tell you first about uh, an experience that I had to kind of illustrate what you're up against. When I finished uh, college in 1987, uh, some friends and I went, well, we were in a male chorus, and we went to uh, Russia at the time, it was the Soviet Union still, and Poland. After about a two and a half week trip there, We traveled, the three of us flew down to Istanbul, Turkey, and we spent 10 days traveling all through Turkey, and then I spent another five weeks traveling all through southern southern Europe and down into North Africa. Anyway, it was a wonderful experience. But that first night, we arrived in Istanbul, Turkey, huge, huge city, and it was nighttime when we got there. We found ourselves a hotel that cost us $2 a night. And it was, it had no carpeting or flooring, just concrete. The, the beds, there was basically nothing in the room other than a cot. And then, and on the floor, there's one floor where you maybe had six or seven rooms. There was one toilet. And, uh, that was it. I mean, it's very basic, but we were very poor. So we got there and then we were hungry. We decided to go out on the town to find something to eat and we found some things to eat and, we were experiencing, you know, this new environment. I'd never been to a Muslim country before. The food was great. We had these big Turkish pizzas that were just delicious. Anyway, um, we then proceeded to go to bed probably around 11 o'clock. Well, in the middle of the night, one of my other two friends started to, to throw up. I mean, we're talking about major food poisoning of some sort. And, and, and it echoed all through this concrete building, you know. And we're lying there. It's like 4 o'clock in the morning. And 
We don't know what to do for him. He's just struggling. And of course, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that. You know you're next. You know it's coming to you next. And you're wondering, when are you going to feel this way? And you felt so far away. And uh, in the early morning, around 5, 5.30, we heard this. I mean, here you have this sound echoing through the, through the building every 15 minutes. I mean, it was just terrible. He was in terrible pain. And then all of a sudden we hear this, Allah Hundreds of minarets, mosques, starting to echo the call to prayer. And it echoed everywhere. And boy, I tell you what, I might as well have been camping on the surface of Mars. That's how far out of place I felt. It was a tremendous culture shock. We were scared. We were worried we were going to get sick. And now we have all this, these, these sounds and smells all around us. That was one of the worst culture shocks I had ever had. And I had been overseas a lot. But that was really something. And, and I told my friend the next morning, I said, you know what? The best way to deal with this kind of situation is we have got to get out of this room and get out in with the people. So we went and got my friend some crackers. We moved to a little nicer hotel. We paid $5 a night. And, and it was much nicer from $2 a night. And, uh, and he recovered little by little, but it was quite a culture shock. Folks, let me tell you, when you work, when you travel overseas to preach the gospel, to involve yourself in evangelistic endeavors overseas, guess what? You're not immune from culture shock. You're not immune from culture shock. Uh, even the three angels' message tells us that we cannot limit our, our scope of evangel living and evangelistic endeavors just to our little area where we feel comfortable, where we know where the Taco Bell is and we know where the grocery store is and we know where the bank is and, and everything. No, we are called to go and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at what Revelation 14 verse 6 says. It says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Let me ask a question here before we start. How many of you have traveled overseas before? I mean, outside the United States. Okay, we, we have a few. About half of you have. Um, how many of you have traveled outside of the Americas, in other words, America, Mexico, South America. How many of you have been to, uh, not Europe either. How many of you have been to Africa, India, uh, Malaysia? Okay, you have. Where have you been? Bangladesh. Okay, Bangladesh. Well, right there, you're definitely going to <laughs> some very unique places. By the way, ladies, there's a handout right when you walk in on the right-hand side. Uh, right when you walk in. The Gospel Commission does not... in promise us that you will be culturally comfortable. That's what I'm saying. Culturally comfortable. You will be thrust into situations if you go internationally where you feel uncomfortable, where you are not sure where you're going to eat. And if you eat something, ladies, there's a handout right when you walk in over here on this side. Uh, And if you feel, and, and you're not even sure that you're going to feel comfortable in another hour. Okay? Can't tell you the number of times that that has happened. Charcoal is my favorite companion when I travel internationally sometimes. You just never know. But does that mean that we shouldn't go? Absolutely not. In fact, I would just want to invite you to go. I want to invite you. I want to challenge you to make that step. 
There's a number of reasons for that. Number one, it says it right here in the, in the Gospel Commission. In the Gospel Commission, as well as the, as the three angels' message, we are to go to every kindred, tongue, and nation. And number two, it connects us with the world church. We realize that our church is not just, you know, the church that you go to every Sabbath, but you're a part of a worldwide family. And it gives you that opportunity. But more than that, it challenges and strengthens your faith. Hundreds and thousands have joined many ministries, including Share Him, to go overseas and to partner with local churches and to preach our message at this time and earth's final hours. There are many ways that you could travel overseas. Maranatha takes trips. Uh, Share Him takes uh, many people to preach. You can go to repair a church. You can go to build a church. You can go build a school. You can do health clinics. Share Him's focus, though, is to take laymen and women, young people. This year alone, we're taking over 350 young people to go and to stand up in Madagascar or Mongolia and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. How does it work? I'm sure some of you are here because you want to know, how do, how do you participate in something like this? First of all, you need to understand that, like we talked in the other sessions, evangelism is still a process. And it still involves sowing. It involves reaping. And then it involves retaining. And so that is why when Sherehim travels internationally, almost without exception, we go to places where we work with a local church that is established. The only place where that is not the case is when we go to India. And we work, we partner in India with conferences who will send gospel missionaries like Bible workers into that village before we get there to do the sowing work. And then they stay in that village for two years after we leave to build a church and to, and to nurture that church. Okay? So when you go to El Salvador or you go to Colombia or wherever you go, we're working with a local church. They're the ones visiting their friends. They're inviting their neighbors. They're giving Bible studies. They're doing the sewing work. It doesn't just happen, folks. Sometimes people say, well, if I go out to Africa and I pitch a tent, people will just jump into a swimming pool to be baptized. It just happens automatically. That is not the case. There's hard work and prayer. And, and dedication on the part of the local church going on to make sure that when you get there and you begin the reaping process of proclaiming the message and inviting them to follow Jesus, it is successful. And that is only successful because the people there in the local church have done the sowing work. Local churches are anxious, are, are already in many places are already used to this kind of lifestyle of evangelism. They invite their friends they give Bible studies. They do advertising. Share Him's program is one where we partner with existing conferences and missions around the world. Everything that Share Him does is done in partnership with the Adventist Church in different parts of the world. We work with the General Conference. We then work with the division who tells us how many campaigns they want us to sponsor in their division. Then we work with the unions who decide what conferences we will come to. And then we work with the conferences as well. And then, of course, the local church. Some people say, well, how long are you there? How long is a Share Him campaign? Well, it's 16 nights, 16 evenings. And then you end up preaching also three Sabbath mornings. 
So a total of 19 sermons that you present. Now, honestly, sometimes the last Sabbath morning, you might not preach, depending on what the arrangements are for baptisms or what the arrangements are with the local conferences. They might want to combine a number of churches together and have a group baptism. It all depends. But for sure, you preach 18 sermons. How many of you are ready to preach 18 sermons? Come on, raise your hands. All of you can do this. I am positive of that. Now, right now you're saying, well, it's impossible. Well, you saw yesterday how we, we turned on the sermon and the graphics here. And we had people, I had two or three of you come from the congregation who had never looked at it before and were able to, to present it without any problem. But after you practice it, let me tell you how it works more specifically. First of all, this year alone, 2007, these are all the different countries and places that we have been working with Share Him. Over 800 different campaigns, evangelistic meetings were conducted by Share Him missionaries. And guess who we're talking about? They're talking about laymen and women who have gone and preached. All the way, remember there's Ulaanbaatar. We were just talking about Ulaanbaatar right there. We've been up in Korea. Uh, we have uh, been over in Ukraine, uh, in different parts of Europe, down in, in East Africa, Uganda, Burundi, uh, Rwanda, Tanzania, Kenya. This is uh, Equatorial Guinea, Ivory Coast, Ghana, all through Inner America. So you can see all kinds of places that you can go. And we just praise the Lord. Um, included in those 800 speakers are over 300 young people. Some of them as young as 7th and 8th graders who have preached. And, and the Lord has blessed. Um, more than 32,000 people have been baptized this year through lay men and women who have gone and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? These are lay people who some of them have never preached before, but are saying, you know, I'm willing to be used. And they step out in faith and they go to these places and they preach. I believe with all my heart that you can preach in, in Antanararivo. You can preach in Madagascar, in Mongolia. In fact, I call this the most extreme of all extreme adventures. Um, there is a place and a wonderful ministry to be had in building facilities and going and supporting schools and hospitals. But when you go and you are the one that has to stand up night after night in front of 100 people, 200 people, sometimes 2,000 people and preach, let me tell you, people shake in their boots. It's an extreme adventure, but it's an amazing experience when you rely completely on the Holy Spirit. How does this work? Let's break down how this process works, okay? Let's talk a little bit about it. How does it work practically? I'm talking about, first of all, let's talk about finances. How does this, how does it happen? Who pays for what? When do we pay for it? How does it pay? Okay, let's talk about that. First of all, share him through a network of, of, of donors who give money to share him because they believe in lay evangelism. Share him covers the costs of sending someone to, Mong, to Madagascar visiting with all the pastors that are represented in the churches that we're going to be working with, doing an orientation with them, talking about what needs to be prepared before we come. Then that we also pay for that same person to go and check out hotels. Some people say, well, where do we stay when we go over there? Do we stay in tents? Well, no, you don't. We usually put you in a hotel. Well, 
but not like the Hyatt or, or the Hilton where you might be staying. Sorry. Are you still with me? Are you ready to walk out? No Hyatt, no go. No, it's not the Hyatt. In fact, it's not even a hotel, Motel 6. But we try to make sure, number one, the hotels are clean. That's a general term, okay? They're not as clean as a Hyatt, but generally clean. Uh, number two, we try to make sure that they're safe. We want to make sure they're in the safe area of town. Usually because of the international nature of our people that are going there, we want to make sure that there are guards oftentimes. You know, just pull, you know, it's well protected. And the third thing we look for is their food readily available. In other words, are you out in the Thule's and it's impossible to get to a restaurant to eat or a grocery store? No, we like to put you in a place often has a restaurant right in the hotel. And then we work with the restaurant to have a buffet, vegetarian buffet every morning. I mean, every, every day. And so you pay as less, as little as possible and it's the most convenient for you. The other thing that we want to try to do is try to find the cheapest hotel we can that meets those criteria, clean, safe, and with readily available food. The cheapest we can. Now, some people go over there and say, man, I can afford more than this. I want to go stay at the Hyatt. Well, by the way, folks, there's usually not a Hyatt anywhere nearby. But let's just say, I want to stay at that other nice one. Well, I have to tell you, we do not allow that. And it's not that I'm trying to, we're trying to be mean, but when we go over there, was a share him. We're a team, and we stay together. In a minute, I'll explain what we do as a team. So share him covers the cost of sending someone over there to set everything up. Then they fly back home, right? Then they go back, and share him covers the cost of sending a manager to be over there the whole two or three weeks that you're there to manage the campaigns. In other words, they go and visit every single campaign site to make sure everything is going well. If there are any problems, they are the ones that talk to the pastors, talk to the conference president, sometimes even go to the union level and deal with it. They make sure that everything is running smoothly. They're the ones that you go to if you have a problem, you know, like a cockroach infestation in your bed. And I've had that happen before, which is not a very Hyatt kind of thing. All right? But uh, that's you, you deal with those things, and the manager is there to deal with that. They're there to make sure. So Sherehim takes care of all that management cost as well. And uh, we also provide it, no cost to you, the sermon notes and the graphics in whatever language you are needing. So, for example, if you're going to go to Mongolia, we have Mongolian graphics and we have Mongolian writing on there and we have English notes. Isn't that good? We don't give you Mongolian notes because you'll be in trouble. But... On the slide that we have right here, if this were Mongolian here being shown to the people, this right here will show you in English what is being shown behind you in Mongolia. Isn't that nice? So if you're trying to see what's back there and it's all in Mongolian, you have no idea what that says. But right in front of you, right here, you have the same slide, but it's translated into English. We will send you all of that material free for you to start practicing as soon as you apply online. You know, start going over those sermons. We'll talk a little bit more about, about those in a minute. Now, what is the cost? Oh, by the way, we also pay for Share Him covers what we call our short-term travel and missionary insurance. 
we pay for that through the risk management service of the General Conference. So some people say, well, what kind of insurance is it? It's basically if something should happen to you, any major accidents, uh, your luggage, for example, it covers some, if you lose your camera, you lose your, if somebody steals your camera or, or you lose your luggage, there's some coverage there. Share him pays for that. If somebody, we've had computers, projectors stolen or lost or whatever, there's a, there, of course there's a limit to that insurance. You know, if you're taking a lot of computers, you're not going to pay for all of it. But is it your computer? Do you guys provide that? Okay, that's a good question. If you are a college and university student with a program that is working with Shareham, all of the colleges, the Adventist colleges in North America, including AFCO, Amazing Facts College of Evangelism, as well as Souls West. Uh, the, uh, uh, it's a tra- soul-winning tra- institute in Arizona. We provide sets of equipment for those students. If you're going as an individual, you're not a part of the college, going under the supervision of a college, then you need to provide your own equipment. Okay. Now, that's not as complicated as you think, because you do not have to have a projector. I mean, you do not have to have a computer. You could use a DVD player if you wanted to. The only thing you have to have is a projector. And, and uh, oftentimes churches, your local church would let you borrow that for two weeks so you could take that. Sometimes conferences, the conference office has extra for lay people to borrow on a loan basis. And you can do that. If those two are not possibilities, you can contact the Carolina Conference and we also rent them out if need be. Okay. So what is the cost of the participant in terms of the travel, etc.? Well, we ask that the personal costs, I'm talking about your transportation costs, your housing costs, your visa costs, those are your responsibility. You pay for your airfare, you pay for your accommodations, uh, your passport. How many here have a passport? Okay, a lot of you have passports. You got a passport, you don't need to get another one unless it's expiring. You cannot travel overseas if it's expiring within six months. Did you know that? If you have one more month left, they won't let you in the other, they won't let you to get in to the other country, usually. They want you to have six months left on your passport. So you cover those costs. People have come to me and said, well, how much is that? How much, what is the budget? Well, that depends on where you're going. This year, in the year 2008, we're going to over 20 different countries. If you're going to go to Mongolia, it's going to be much more expensive than if you're going to Merida, Mexico. You follow me? Much more expensive. Let me give you an example. If you fly from here to, to Nicaragua or Guatemala, from most places in the United States, you're going to pay $500 to $600 round-trip airfare. You can even get it for $450. i have gotten it once. Round-trip. But if you're going to fly from here to go to Nairobi, Kenya, the cheapest you can fly is basically about $1,600, $1,500 round trip. Now, it should be logical because it's a lot farther over there, you know. But still, your budget will be determined by where you're going in the world, okay? Accommodations. What's interesting is the closer you are to the United States, if you go to Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, your accommodation costs are higher than if you go to Africa or you go to other places like, like Mongolia. I think Mongolia, they paid like $6 a night. Um, in Africa, usually a hotel, unless you're going to Angola, 
and Mozambique. Most countries like Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, for a room is about $20. And if you're sharing that with another speaker, that's $10 a piece. So it's quite, quite inexpensive. Um, if you go to India, you're looking at about 15 to $20 a night for a whole room, and you could put two or three people in that room. Now, you also are asked to cover your food costs. Now, that depends on what you want to eat. I've seen people who go to, I remember we went to India, and there was this one couple that wanted to eat at the four-star hotel next to us, and it was like $10 a meal. Whereas I ate downstairs in our hotel for $2 all-you-can-eat buffet vegetarian. I was in heaven. So I could eat all like for breakfast they had a buffet, lunch they had a buffet, supper they had a buffet for six dollars a day. I could eat as much as I wanted to. As much as I wanted to. All those in favor, say aye. That sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, so it varies, but I know some people from the states or other places go there. Oh, I can't eat that. I got to go here. Well, then it's going to cost you a lot more. But if you if you uh, Eat like the Indians do, it's going to cost you very little. They'll plop down a big banana leaf, put down the rice in the middle, and put the different, and then no, no utensils, by the way. There's no fork, spoon, nothing. You just use your hand and they, you mix it up, and you just, and then you look at your mom and you say, I can eat with my hands here. (laughs) And you just plop it in, plop it in, and eat. And then at the end, they come with a little basin and you wash your hands off, and you're ready to go. Now, if you want to ask for a fork, you can raise your hand. The guy will come over, and he'll go get a fork. And you look at that fork, and you're not sure. <laughs> anyway, so cost of food varies depending on what you want, okay? But generally speaking, if you're going to go to Central America or Inner America or, or somewhere nearby, you're going to probably spend $1,000 total, including airfare, housing, and food. But if you're going to go to Africa or India... Even it will cost you one thousand five hundred to get there, but then you're only going to spend five hundred or even less than that to stay and to eat. You see what I mean? So it's going to be about two thousand dollars if you're going to go there. Now, besides your personal transportation and eating cost, share him. There are some direct campaign costs. In other words, all the management costs, setting up, share him takes care of all of that. But there, there are $1,200 is what we send to Mongolia, or we send to India, or we send to Guatemala, or we send to El Salvador, and that money goes to that church to help support that evangelistic meeting. And those direct campaign costs, we are asking you also to raise, oftentimes through your church, are willing to help you cover those costs. If you're a part of the college if you're part of uh, pre-funded campaigns, then that won't be necessary. But if they're not funded, then that $1,200 is what you need. How do you guarantee that those that $1,200 is going to be implemented for that? Okay, first of all, let me explain. That $1,200 does not in any way stay with the Carolina Conference or share him. That is what we have agreed with the division to send per campaign, Okay. So that $1,200 is sent to the, let's just give an example, to the, to the, let's just give an example. We're going to send it for a Kenya campaign. So the money goes to the East African Division. Now the East African Division, they have in committee decided that they're going to keep $200 of that. It's about that. And they put it aside to build churches. 
all across their division. Now, the reason that they do that is because we're doing evangelism, which means we're adding membership, which means they need more churches. So they keep about $200, $250 for that. Then they pass the rest of it on to the union. The union might use $50 of that to pay for the union director to go and visit and to set up all the sites. But you could be sure that almost all of it is going to support in some way or form that campaign. Now, Sherehim doesn't go and check. That's their money. It's the world church's money, okay? They're going to have to answer to God. All we ask them is, please make sure that when our people come here, there's a screen, you've done the advertising, you know, you've, you, it's ready, okay? It's ready. Yeah. Sure, sure. Well, let me explain. First of all, they don't do as much advertising with that money as we think, like here in the United States. The majority of that money is spent on transportation. What do I mean? When we stay in India, for example, in a hotel right here, all of us as a team stay together. But every night, hey, you know about this, every night, he's been to India two or three times to preach, every night they hire a car to take you from this hotel 30 or 40 kilometers out in the Thule's to preach. They wait there for you. Then they bring you all the way back to the hotel. Now, when you're in India, gallon of gas is about $6 a gallon. In other parts of the world, $5 a gallon. It's very expensive. Most of their budget is taken up with transportation needs. And uh, in Kenya, I mean in Tanzania, we were in Tanzania this summer with my family, and my kid, my youngest one, was preaching. Was it an hour one way, Audrey? It was an hour one way, and you had to have a four-wheel drive vehicle to go through river, two streams, and, I mean, terrible roads. And uh, that's where they, they had to pay this guy. And it was not cheap. Every day cost about, uh, oh, I can't remember, $30 or something like that. I mean, it adds up because they're spending so much on gas. Anyway, that's what it goes for. Sometimes they have to buy, we require two microphones. Well, a lot of times they don't have any microphone. So the church uses that money to buy a microphone and a simple PA system, which then they use in their church in the future for future campaigns. Okay? So these funds, these $1,200 that we're asking you to raise, does not in any way stay with your hymn. Not a penny stays with us. All of that goes to the division. And let me tell you a secret. For India, it's not $1,200, it's $1,500. Share him adds $300 more. In Mongolia, it's $2,000. Do you know why it's $2,000 in Mongolia? Well, if you've ever been to Mongolia, you would know that sometimes the places where we preach, there are no roads. And they use a GPS, and they cut across just open land, just like, okay, this way. <laughs> For nine hours sometimes they travel across out in the Thule's. Okay, I mean, they have to have their food shipped in. It's a tremendous uh, undertaking. In fact, if you want to go to Mongolia, we generally will not allow you to go there unless you've at least done one other campaign with us because it's so isolated and difficult. But it's exciting. It's uh, tremendously exciting. Any of you like a spoiled, rotten, Hard bean uh, uh, cheese curds. 
That's what they eat there. They're about this big and they're hard. And they, they're, they're, oh, they are the nastiest thing you have ever had. And, and this is what they eat. That's one of their major diets. Most of them come from goats, too. Goat meal. Anyway, I'm not trying to discourage you, by the way. It's an exciting place to go. I'm not doing a good job, am I? So, share him pays for the management cost, supervising cost, as well as setting everything up. We pay for all the uh, campaign graphics and equipment. And by the way, to, to translate this, that takes a lot of money to photo, uh, photocopy. I mean, to duplicate them, we send them to you. We take care of all that. You take care of your own personal expenses and the direct campaign cost of $1,200. All right? Uh, vaccines, you take care of that too, by the way. And you know what? That is not a fun part. But you need to take care of doing that. You don't want to get over there and get deathly sick. And so... On our website, we have all of that uh, links to take you to places where you can study what vaccinations you need. And malaria, you might need to take those pills. Um, we had to do that. Um, now, what do we do when we're there? Let me tell you a little bit about it. Every day, remember I said we're a team? When you go, we stay together in a team. We'll never send you alone in a hotel by yourself. Well, the only time that that happens is Mongolia because they, they don't have enough churches. So we have to put them one here and another one 2,000 miles away there and one over. And so, but usually we all stay in a hotel together or, or at least a portion of the group will stay in this hotel, a portion of that hotel. And every day we have what we call a morning meeting. This is a picture of an actual morning meeting. We get together in the morning right after breakfast. Usually we have worship together. We pray together for our meetings we then go around and talk about how's it going at your meeting how's it going there and the manager is there listening if there's a problem he takes note of it and then during the day he will contact that pastor he'll contact the conference to try to solve the problem and this usually takes about two two hours or so the last thing we do in our morning meeting is review the sermon for that night we go over the sermon and we especially focus on the appeal the call because that's what everybody's nervous about. How am I going to make this a call? And, and uh, we go over that step by step. Okay? When you arrive in your country on a Wednesday, usually morning, we have an orientation which takes four to six hours. We review how do you prepare to preach? What do you do with objections? How do you... We go through the cultural uh, aspects of... of um, uh, of the church, you know, the Adventist church in different countries has a little different flavor. And you need to be aware of that. In the highlands of Kenya, the ladies all wear headscarves or many of the ladies wear headscarves, you know, to cover their heads. And uh, and if you go there with with braids in your hair, ladies, even that that is a, a bit offensive to them. Um, and there's other things that we try to be be very careful about and, we, and and during the orientation we cover those things and then in the morning program we then go through and we make sure that you have edited your sermons so that they're edited down to the right length everything is how it should be if some people come to us and say oh no my thing is all locked up or i don't know how to i'm out of synchronization my how, how do i fix that well the manager or what we call a mentor is there to help solve those problems um not to panic. Don't panic. Uh, sometimes there's no electricity. 
Can you believe that? You're there. Well, I was in the middle of preaching and boom, my electricity went out. Then we will try to solve that problem. Our daily mentorship meeting, here's another picture of a mentorship meeting, is a time to support one another, you know, to encourage. I remember one time we were in India and and, uh, we were doing 10 evangelistic meetings in a big, huge city of 6 million people. These churches, the Adventist churches, had not done an evangelistic meeting. One of them in 30 years, he told me, had not done an evangelistic meeting. And when we were there... Hardly anybody was coming, and this lady was so discouraged. Here, over here, we have a guy talking about, oh, we had 150 people come to our meeting, and it was so wonderful. And then she says, well, we had three guests last night, and and uh, and the pastor doesn't even stay, and it, nobody supports it. And Wow. Well, I was the manager. I was taking notes on this. I'm like, tell me what's the name of the place. And I went all the way to the conference union president. I said, this has got to change. What is this? But we were there to encourage and to, and to pray for her. Um, it's a time for, for worship, too. You can't be constantly feeding spiritually others, but not feeding your own soul. So we have worship together every day. Um, yes? Yeah. Yes, that's right. They often have to pay transportation for the translator to come, sometimes from way out. They will sometimes give him uh, a stipend to come pay. That's all part of that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we, when we're done with our morning mentorship meeting, what do you do with the rest of the day? Some people have said, well, okay, I preach in the evening. I leave for the site at 5 o'clock. We have the morning mentorship meeting from 8 to 10 or 11. What do I do from 11 to 5? Sounds kind of boring. Not. It is not boring. Think about it. What about your clothes? What are you going to do about your clothes after wearing them two or three or four times? Maybe twice. What are you going to do about them? You've got to wash them. Sorry, there's no washing machine or dryer. You've got to get into the shower and sit there and do it by hand. Oh, excuse me, what are you going to do your laundry in? They don't give you a wash basin when you get there. Oh, you've got to go to the market and go barter for a big plastic uh, uh, container to do your laundry in. Oh, where are you going to hang your laundry? Oh, I forgot to bring rope. I've got to go down to the market and buy rope to put all over my room so that it will dry my clothes. Oh, I forgot to bring laundry detergent. Oh, I've got to go down and buy laundry detergent to put in there. You see, then what about, what are you going to eat? Sometimes supper times, because everybody leaves at different times, you might need to make a supper. So that means you've got to go buy bread and, and uh, peanut butter, <laughs> maybe, uh, or, or something. Uh, so... You are, your day is filled. We haven't even started talking about you practicing. We want you to practice three times that sermon out loud. That's when you do it. And it's so interesting in the hotels, you'll see people in the, in the lobby or you'll see them on the hallway or you'll see them in the, in the, in the rooms. You'll walk by and you'll hear them preaching, preaching, you know, and uh, all over the place, people set up to preach, to practice their sermons. This is all so very important. Here's your laundry facility. And nobody's going to be doing your laundry for you, folks. Now, that is not true. I take that back. There are certain places. India is wonderful for this. You're, you know, you're spending $15 a night. 
and they have laundry in a lot of these very small hotels, but they have laundry service. They'll pick up your laundry and they'll do a pair of pants or a shirt for like 20 cents or something like that. It's, I like that very much. But in some other places, sorry, you are the laundry and you have to work on it. And let me tell you, folks, it is a lot dustier and dirtier there than it is in downtown L.A. Let me tell you, my kids would come back from preaching in Tanzania. My wife is making a face because she remembers how, I mean, they were, they're, they had black shoes, but they were nice and beautiful light brown, covered totally in dust, and their pants, you know, just just so dirty, just because dusty, you know, and, uh, oh, all here, dark, dark, and somebody's got to do that laundry, and um, anyway, but the results are absolutely worth it, folks. You might say to yourself, well, you know, I've got to pay my way over there, and then I need to pay for the campaign. Is it really worth it? Folks, I can tell you right now, it is the greatest experience, uh, one of the greatest experiences you'll ever have, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Because they went point to see the relics. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Hey, listen. We have lots of people that plan their vacations this way, and 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 oftentimes, if you're going, let's say, to Africa or Central America or whatever, you know, you're already there. After you finish your campaign, take a two days and, and look at some of the scenic archaeological sites to go to the beach. Go, you know, people do that. But even while you're there, you are having the most refreshing experience. We had somebody come by our booth uh, just last uh, on Wednesday night and said, we took our family after we were there for a couple days. Uh, our oldest 15-year-old daughter said, Mom, you know, I'd rather not be here. I'd rather be home. But they were there. They were committed. Okay? This was their vacation. This was their time. And, uh, and but by the time the two, in other words, she was experiencing culture shock. Okay? At the end of that three weeks, they did not want to leave. They begged their parents, can we just live here? Let's forget America. We want to be here with these people. We want to connect with these people. We love this place. Uh, it is really an amazing, amazing experience. Almost without exception, every time I've been involved with it, Saturday night, that last Saturday night, is such an emotional, tearful time. People are hugging their friends, their translators, their pastors, the new members that were baptized. There's such a bonding that, to me, gives a clear picture of what the family of God is like. You know, we might be here in Tennessee or in Quebec, but here we're brother and sister with those who we just ministered to in Madagascar or, or, or in, in Romania or Bulgaria. The results are absolutely amazing. And one of the greatest results is what happens to us. I'm going to share a story I shared yesterday. Some of you might have heard it, but most of you are, are new here. When we went over to, to, to Kenya, this is my wife here. She's sitting in the back there. Uh, she was not planning on preaching at all. She was going to be there to do health talks because she's a nurse. And uh, we got there and one of the speakers could not show up. Kind of like the story you heard on Wednesday night, that young uh, girl from Fountain View. She didn't plan on going to speak. 
She got there. Audrey got there, and no, and one of the ladies' family members had passed away. She couldn't come. She had to be at a funeral. So they asked my wife to preach. Well, you know what? She preached with one day notice. And she, I mean, no one day notice. She was asked on Wednesday. Thursday, we were on an eight-hour bus ride, bumpy, bumpy bus ride, all the way up to the highlands of Kenya. She had very little time to study when you're bumping along. Then on Friday, she had to go out to her site. She, so she had very little time to prepare. But when it was all said and done, it was a tremendous experience. Sometimes on Sabbath, she would have 3,000 people at her site with one day to prepare. Okay, But every night when she got home, home, <laughs> you should have seen our home. When we got to our hotel, she was just usually very much excited and, and enthused. And we had this routine down. Audrey, is it okay if I tell them our routine? Our routine was that I usually worked on the laundry while she sat out there and preached through her sermon for tomorrow night one time. And I would listen to her while I'm doing laundry and squishing laundry and then hanging laundry. But she had to go over it. She says, I like to go over it once before I go to bed. That way it's in my brain. And then the next day she would preach it twice. And you want to add anything? No? <laughs> okay. Anyway, when the whole thing was said and done, the Lord blessed her. She, this is a picture of the actual, her baptism. And 160 people were baptized. And uh, she, when she was, as, she, as the people came out of the, of the pond this way, she would shake their hands. And I saw she had tears on her, uh, on her cheeks and she would hug them. It was such a wonderful experience. And she said, Bob, for the first time now, I know why I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. I have now preached this message. I know it. I believe it. The greatest results of what you do when you go and participate in one of these experiences is that your faith is strengthened. You know why. It's an experience of absolute singular joy to see someone make a decision for Jesus Christ, to give their heart to Christ and to join his remnant church. I'll never forget we were in El Salvador. My son had just finished preaching. My 12-year-old, he came running in and he said, Daddy, guess what? Tonight, he said, 16 people gave their heart to Jesus. And he was just so excited. It was like, Better than going to Disney World. I mean, this was the most exciting thing he had seen. And uh, you will also have the joy and of fellowshipping with other like-minded evangelistic people. Let me tell you, the people that you go with as a team and you stay there and you eat with and you hear them practicing and, and, and you listen to their highs and their lows, let me tell you, folks, you are connected with those people. Just this morning... We were walking down the hall from morning worship. We ran into the other family that was with us there in Kenya. And there were hugs and there were, and there were greetings uh, from, from many years ago. You'll enjoy the fellowship. I'm giving you all the reasons you should go. Are you listening to me? Number one, it's a spiritual high, an incredible faith-building experience. Number two, you will enjoy very much having the experience of seeing people come to Jesus. Being baptized. You will also enjoy the fellowship with other like-minded, evangelistic-minded people. You will also find that, well, you wouldn't believe it, but we have people who go who are not baptized and who make a decision for Jesus when they're there. This summer, 
we were in Tanzania, we had two young people who, as they were preaching, they were teenagers, late teens. And one of them was, what, 19? How old was she? was 19 years old and she had left the church. She was baptized when she was 12, 13. She had left the church and she came back. She joined this meeting and, and she was rebaptized. Another young man who, for some reason or another, he's about 15, 16 years old, had still not made a decision. While he was preaching, he says, I want to be baptized too. And he was baptized along with those he was preaching to. It was a wonderful experience. And seeing people baptized is such a joy. Let me tell you, folks, parents, if you have uh, kids, there's no better way to help your kids have strong roots in this church than to get them involved in evangelism. And you know what else is a plus? Being aware that we are a part, truly, of a worldwide movement. When you're in Kenya, Tanzania, wherever it is, and you see all these Adventist brothers and sisters, you you say, well, my, we are part of something uh, major. Now, how do you make a decision to go? Well, once you've decided, if you decide you want to step out in faith and go, you need to go to our website, which is sharehim.org. Are you with me? Sharehim.what? Not com. If you say sharehim.com, it takes you to a bookstore. Sharehim.org brings you here. Okay? This is our website. And on this website, you will find a place where you can get all kinds of information. First of all, there is a place right here on the right-hand side. This is a little bright, but there's a place that says Information for Guest Teams. And when you click on Information for Guest Teams, we have an entire handbook that we've written with all kinds of Issues such as, what do I wear when I'm there? Is it okay for me to wear shorts? What kind of shirt should I wear? How should I have my hair? All of this. We cover vaccinations. Where do I buy my airfare? Who buys my airfare? We give you about five different travel agents that we recommend who deal in very low airfare costs for international uh, travel. So that's one of the things you can look on there. And you can then download this handbook. Yeah. A quick question about, um, about the media. Once you actually say go and you do a campaign, is the media, can you actually keep a copy of the media so you can use it in the future, or is that strictly belonging to share? No, you can, that copy that we send you is your copy of the sermons, yeah. Now, the problem is that unless you're going back to Kenya, the Swahili can only be used in Kenya or Tanzania. Not with what we send you. It will have English notes. And doesn't it have the Spanish and French notes also already on there? It will have different language notes, but the graphics, we only send you one set of graphics at a time. Okay? Now, if you come back to the States, like we were talking, we spent a lot of time talking about how to do this in America. We have an English version for the United States. And if you let us know that you want to participate in it, we could also list your church on our website. You sign up to preach in that church, we will send you the English one for free. Okay? But this here, by the way, even if you're not, even if you're not going with Share Him, but you're going with another ministry internationally, this international campaign handbook is very, very handy material. Okay? We've just redid the whole thing and put it in a handbook for, format. We also have developed a lot of online tutorials even to the point of how do I hook up this machine with this machine? How do I synchronize? How do I... 
All of them are online video tutorials. You can go on there and look and watch them. You could download them or you could view them uh, live stream. We also have lots and lots of video testimonies of people who have uh, stories starting way back in 2005, 2004. All of these stories of people who have gone internationally, you could hear their, their testimony. Some people like to show these kind of, they're like a mission spotlight kind of thing. You can use them in your church. Okay? When you get to the website, you will find on the front page a place that says application form. That is what you click. Once you click on that, it will bring you to this, this particular uh, slide that says, well, you want to complete an online application before. Have you completed one before? If you have, it will direct you to just add another campaign site. But if you've not completed one before, you would select Be a Speaker at a Campaign. You click on that, and it will then take you through step-by-step, step, asking you where... Well, for example, it will say, well, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? And you select the location in the world that you have decided to go preach. Before you fill out an application form, you can click on International Campaigns. And this is what it looks like. This is actually our 2008 one. Uh, thank you, David. Uh, 2008, Benin, Costa Rica, India, Philippines, Nicaragua, Dominican Republic, Salvador, Philippines again. Hey, there's Madagascar right there. Madagascar. And folks, any one of these campaign date blocks that you want to go on, you can go on. We will make a space for you if, if you meet the, what, the, the requirements that we said. Yes? Well, because of time, you see... That's January 11. It's too quick. We would not be able to open a site there and have them do preparation before you come. But any of the other ones, even this one here, if it says full, you still can go. What it means is that all of the ones that we had opened on there are full up already. But if you want to go, you contact us and, and we will open it up for you. Okay? If you... Like, we will then go and ask them to open another site, and then you send a share him at the Carolina conference, send us that $1,200, we'll send it on to them, and we'll open that site, okay? Please take this contact information. This is how you will need to contact. If you have, if you want to go at any time, please feel free to email me at this, at this uh, website. Not a website, but at this email address. And my phone number is right here. Feel free to call me. Okay, say, Bob, I'd like to go to Philippines in, in May. All right, we'll open a site. You go on and apply, and, and, and you're ready to go. And you're ready to go. I'll leave this up there for a second more so you can write down that information if you want. It should, it's on the back side here. Oh, thank you very much. It's on the green paper, the, the handouts when you came in. Huh? Number eight. Okay, fantastic. Folks, I just want to challenge you. Make a decision to join us for one of the greatest adventures of your life. You will not regret it. Um, how many of you here have been with Sherhim before? You've been? Oh, I know you've been. Katie, okay, you've been. Folks, that's only about uh, 10% of this group. No, 20%. We want 100%. It will be a life-changing I just want to encourage you to decide whether it's internationally. Today we've been, in this seminar, we've been talking about international, but also at home. We've talked about that whole concept of evangel living. And the next seminar, we're going to dive back into that whole concept of evangel living again. But 
I encourage you to decide to share Him, whether it's overseas or here. But we love to have you join us on an international campaign. Let's pray. Lord, our time is, is uh, short to talk about this today, but I just pray that you will work in the hearts of everyone listening here. Lord, they might say to themselves, it's impossible, we don't have the money to do this. I just pray that you will open a way because I know that it will be a great experience for them and many people will be in heaven because of that decision. But if they can't go internationally, Lord, please give them boldness and give them faith to be active in a life of evangelism in their home church. We pray this in Jesus' name and we thank you. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse and Hope Media Ministry for GYC, Generation of the Youth for Christ. If you would like to listen to more great media like this presentation, or if you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. You can also find great witnessing media at audioverse.org and at hopevideo.com.